Welcome to episode two of our Life in Care podcast at Barclay. My name is Laura, I'm part of the people team at Barclay and I'm delighted to be joined today by Stephen who is our health and wellbeing advisor based at Shinville View, one of our homes, and also Gemma who is a resilience coach. Um, so thanks for joining me today guys and what we'd really like to talk about is the importance of self-care for ourselves and for others and hopefully um, take away some really practical tips on how we can do this. So Gemma, being a resilience coach, firstly what does self-care mean to you? Yeah, so first of all thank you so much for having me on, it's great to be here. I think for me self-care is all about the things we can do to improve our physical, mental and emotional well-being. I think sometimes we get sucked into this idea that self-care is all about kind of pampering and luxury when actually for me it's about those little everyday things that we do to look after ourselves and replenish our own energy. Okay, fantastic. And Stephen, in your role as a health and wellbeing advisor, uh, what, what does self-care mean to you and the people you support? So just to echo what Gemma said, is just engaging in activities that promote, yeah, like the physical, emotional, um, social um, uh, well-being within our in our homes. So within my role it's my sort of job to try and engage people in those activities that promotes health and well-being where people aren't as motivated as some people other people are so it's just to motivate people to engage in a few activities that just promote their own well-being okay thank you um and actually this month i don't know if you're aware but it is international um, self-care day on the 24th of July and that's actually what sparked um, this podcast and so 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 Gemma will you be doing anything special for international self-care day? Yeah absolutely I think um, you know the the work that I do at the minute around resilience self-care is one of like the four key pillars of that work that I do so uh, yeah there'll be some stuff going up on on social media uh, around that um, you know tips and tricks of how to take care of yourself um, I have a little um, sort of three uh, three-step questions uh, that you can ask yourself around your self-care um, to make sure that the self-care strategies you're doing are really healthy. So those questions are, um, what is my intention behind doing this? Um, what am I getting out of doing this particular action? And what is the long-term outcome of doing this type of self-care? And what I hope this will do is just get people to think about how how healthy is my self-care right now uh, and what can I do to improve it? Okay, brilliant. And and Stephen, personally for yourself, what, what do you do to, to make sure you are looking after yourself? For me personally, Laura, it's just um, I engage in a lot of physical activity um that's my voluntary go-to part of well-being that i enjoy doing i also enjoy sometimes sort of um that sort of setting my own boundaries so making sure you know i don't have any pressures to do anything i don't have any pressures to you know maybe sometimes social prep pressures 
it's important to say no sometimes as well. So I, I quite enjoy being very mindful about what I do purposely for my own well-being and self-care. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that we do at Barclay Care and is kind of really enforced actually is that disconnect policy. So, you know, that's really switching off when you've got your downtime, making sure that you're not reading and sending emails early in the morning and, and late at night. And actually, when you are on holiday, not having access to your work emails and really taking that that downtime. So um, so we're not allowed to send emails before 8 a.m. and after 6 p.m. And that's not just for, for ourselves. That, that's for, you know, for others as well, to make sure we are allowing other people to to really kind of disconnect. So, so, so Gemma, what, what do you do then to really kind of disconnect yourself from your your busy world of being a resilience coach? <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting one because I work from home um, a lot of my kind of work life and home life seems to to merge together. Um, so I've got a little office down in the garden. So I try to make sure that when I'm working, I come down here. This is my workspace. And when I lock that up at night, I kind of try and leave my work in there as much as possible. And this is something that I tried to sort of pick up when I was in full time employment as well. Just those little things that draw a line under your work day. So for me, it was things like taking off my lanyard and putting it in my bag like that for me was was drawing a line under it or coming into the house, taking off my work shoes and putting my slippers on. Like that was a, another big thing as well to say I'm home now. I need to be present here. Um, but yeah, for me, it's it's just about having that that physical distance between the place where I work and and, and my home. Yeah, absolutely. And what about you yourself, Steve? And you've got an incredibly busy job uh, at Shinfield View, looking after our residents and team and across the other homes. So how do you really kind of disconnect yourself when it is your downtime? Well, like Gemma, I'm quite strict at uh, finishing time is finishing time. You know, uh, I'm fortunate enough to clock off at 5 p.m. Some people are completely different within our company, which is great because it's a 24 hour company that we work in. So personally, I, as soon as that five o'clock hits, my head is not in work. I do find that helps with um, when I am at work, my brain is completely present with work. But, but I do think it's very much individualized. So taking your mind as soon as you finish that work to somewhere completely relevant for you is so important and if I was listening to this I'd want someone to tell me you know go to your own happy place not just you know um so you know do something that gives you joy and enjoyment and it just keeps your brain away from the maybe stresses at work but also stresses throughout you know life yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, work can be really stressful, you know, especially within our care homes. Um, you know, it's such a crucial job that our teams do. And that's why it's so important, I think, that we do have people in the business who are qualified mental health first aiders. So we have recently rolled that out across the business. And so we now have mental health 
um, first aiders, you know, across nearly all of our homes. And they're there just to support anyone within their home, not to necessarily give them advice. It would be to signpost them into, you know, to the to the right resources or or right persons. So, yeah, we're really proud to kind of have that um, in in place now. Gemma, what, what would you say to someone who was maybe feeling a bit overwhelmed um, and you know was struggling with their mental health? What would your advice be? Yeah, so I think um, seeking professional support always, you know, if you're struggling, don't keep it to yourself, get support as quickly as possible. Um, in terms of things that you can do for yourself, I think it's going back to those basics. Am I getting food into my body regularly? Um, am I getting enough rest? Um, am I moving, getting some daylight? Um, and just being able to to do those those little things that, um, as I said before, just replenish that personal energy. Um, but yeah, getting support is is probably the number one priority. Yeah, absolutely. And what I found really helped my mental health was I read a book called The Miracle Morning. I don't know if you've heard of that. And actually, it was recommended to. Um, all of the managers in the business in one of our leadership meetings from Laura, our COO. And actually, I picked up some really good tips from that, but just really simple stuff. Like I love going to bed really early. I love my sleep. What that means, though, is getting up early, which I did already do. But then when I read The Miracle Morning, which I would highly recommend to, to people to, to read that. Um, but one of the main things or two of the main things I got from that is when your alarm goes off in the morning, don't keep hitting snooze. And actually, the book references you snooze, you lose. And it's like, why would you want to resist getting up and kind of, you know, delaying the day? Um, you need to kind of get up, create that positive energy and, you know, not not keep snoozing in bed. So that's the first thing that I would um, that I took away from it is kind of not just keep falling in and out of sleep and and keep hitting that snooze button. And actually, really simply just drinking a pint of water first thing in the morning is like one of the first things I did drink a pint of water and that really kind of just made a difference for me obviously you've been sleeping all night and you know you're you're dehydrated in the morning so the best thing for me you know first thing in the morning drink a pint of water and it kind of really made a difference um for me so I don't know if either of you have got any other tips for kind of the you know practical tips for the mornings? Well, it's amazing you mentioned sleep because that is one of the um, big themes within the care homes, not just for the residents that we care for, but for staff. And it's amazing that you mentioned the uh, going to sleep early. So it's really important to stick to a schedule just because that schedule helps the body's internal clock get used to the same circadian rhythm every night and it after a while that ha those habits that you put so if it's a 10 o'clock bedtime six o'clock wake time long term that will help improve your sleep there's also if i may talk about um light exposure in the mornings so again i mentioned the circadian rhythm but when we expose ourselves to sunlight in the morning this helps the hormones that help us sleep at night start regulating on a 16 hour cycle. So yes, absolutely. Water in the morning is amazing, but also sunlight. 
And obviously we're quite lucky at the moment because it's summer, which is wonderful and beautiful. But during the winter, it's quite challenging. That's where you can sort of subsidize with UV lights. Um, I don't know if I can mention brands here, but Lumi lights are amazing. And I know that we have them. We have used them with our residents as well. And I would certainly recommend that sort of um, those two tips are amazing. So same routine, light in the morning, pint of water, which is great. So definitely. And anything to add to that, Gemma? Um, well, my my morning usually starts with me being woken up by my dog who either wants to be fed or wants to go out into the back garden. So there's no snoozing allowed in my house because those things are very important and you have to get up and do them. Um, but um, yeah, I found that um, having a bit of a plan for the day is really helpful for me as well. Um, just knowing kind of what I'm going to focus on um, gives me a little bit of, of motivations for the morning as well. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned pets there and I have a cat. And honestly, since getting this cat two years ago, that really has changed my life. I know that sounds ridiculous. But just in terms of, again, sort of, you know, my own mental health, I get so much happiness from having that cat. And I know that obviously pet therapy is a really big thing. And we we have kind of pets that come into to the homes as well for for the residents. Um, Stephen, have you got anything to add to sort of the, the pet therapy side of things? Residents and staff love pets just because it just from anecdotally it just stops what you're doing <laughs> and you're focused on something so happy and everyone loves pets whether it be dog we're fortunate at Shimfield and a couple of the other homes where people bring their dogs in which is amazing and the residents actually get to start to meet and know the dogs which is great some people like cats in my own experience I've got a couple of reptiles and I come bring them in and a lot of the older generation, it brings back good memories of owning a tortoise, which is amazing. So, yeah, I love pets as a bit of therapy. Yeah, great. And Stephen, you mentioned that you, um, well, the exercise is good for you. I mean, personally, again, because I do get up so early in the morning, a walk around to the shops before I start work can really transform my day. What kind of activity do you do that kind of, you know, makes you feel good? Well, I engage in team sports. Recently, I've taken up golf, to which I have a very understanding wife that allows me to do that. <laughs> um, but I think the important thing there is, I think Gemma mentioned about moving. They're taking away the word exercise and changing it to moving so important just because when we do move we raise those endorphins the dopamine which are the happy sort of part of the brain so it's very individual to what you enjoy so i much prefer competing with myself that sounds a bit weird but some people may enjoy a leisurely walk some people may enjoy i don't know um yoga in the morning which is, it all depends on what the individual likes just it's so important just to keep moving yeah definitely and so so Gemma as a resilience coach then is there anything else that you can talk us through to you know to, to support us further with our self-care 
Um, I think, as I said, it's just it's just remembering those those basics and and thinking about self care as all of the little things that you can do to look after yourself. Um, I think, you know, we sometimes put a lot of pressure on ourselves looking at setting big goals and working towards something. Um, but those little bit by bit, day by day exercises, um, whether that's around your eating or sleeping or movement, they all add up and they all help to kind of um kind of have those those energy levels that the, you can then use to build a bigger goal so having that really good basic self-care is just foundational for everything else um, which is why it's it's the first of the the kind of four things that I find myself talking about when I go out and deliver training because if you can get that right everything else just feels a, a little bit easier so it's recognizing the the importance of of, of having that that down yeah definitely okay and Gemma you've written a book on it <laughs> why did you write a book um the book is called connected why did you write that yeah so there were there were three reasons for writing the book really the first one was um I'd gone self-employed I met some amazing people in the well-being space doing all sorts of different and I wanted to help them promote what they were doing um, the second reason was um, because we we just gone into lockdown when I started writing the book. So we had all of these people who provided well-being support and then all these people who needed well-being support. And it was a way of bringing those two things together. And then thirdly, I wrote it just to to raise awareness around well-being um I, you know we've talked a lot about um physical mental and emotional well-being but there are so many other things as well that impact generally how we feel so everything from our finances to the environment that we live in to our communities so um the book covers 12 different areas of well-being um and looks at how each of those impacts how we feel overall right okay brilliant thank you okay so I think that brings us to the end of of our discussion um so yeah I wanted to say thank you so much both of you for joining this podcast today thank you. and um yeah I've really enjoyed talking to you so thank you so much thank you thank Laura. you Laura thank you